Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. It's Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined by my co-host, Adam Justice from ConnectSense, who's in San Jose at WWDC, and by special guest, Renee Ritchie, the editor-in-chief of iMore and YouTuber. This is the second half of our WWDC HomeKit doubleheader. for Adam to open the show. This week, Adam, my question to you is, how did you get into the Apple ecosystem? And have you always been a Mac? Or did you convert at some point in your life? And if so, why? I love this question, because uh, kind of it's a, kind of a funny story. So uh, in high school and stuff like this, when I was kind of figuring out my geekdom, uh, I was a hardcore PC guy. Believe it or not. And um, at the pinnacle of that, uh, when I was 18, with all my college or my high school graduation money, I built a gaming PC to go to college. And uh, somewhere late in college, I became, uh, we'll call it Apple Curious. (laughs) And uh, this was around the time that they uh, introduced iPods for Windows. So. What a beautiful thing that iPods for Windows, you know, allowed somebody like me to convert and uh, got an iPod for Christmas one year and kind of the rest was history. So a couple years into my career, professional career, um, I decided uh, I was all in on Apple and really building uh, and bought a MacBook Pro and uh, at one time had uh, I worked in deploying windows uh for my job at accenture and so i had a dual booted macbook intel macbook pro that was running vista and uh Mm -hmm. and mac and now mac os then 10 point whatever and uh when i quit that job at accenture i deleted the vista partition and never looked back all right that's great i had a similar experience my first laptop was the macbook dual booted with vista so it was about that same time probably there you go how about you renee uh i have a story that's almost similar i used apple 2 plus when i was a kid and then i had a mac and then I got an Amiga machine, and then I ended up working in enterprise software, sometimes with Accenture. Uh, and I had a, <laughs> I would get a new Dell laptop because I was in graphic design and web development every year. And the first one shipped with Vista, and I opened the box, and I turned it on, and it said there's no drivers to support the display. But it had shipped from Dell with Vista with that screen. So the IT department said, we're sick of you complaining. We're just going to get you a Mac. And they got me a 17-inch MacBook Pro running Tiger dual-booting into I wouldn't install Vista again, so I forget what was before that. Probably XP still, and and that was it. I think the summary of the story is Vista was so bad, yeah. it sent us all to Mac. <laughs> 
poor Vista gets such a bad rap. It's the drivers that were bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Adam, why don't you kick us off here? All right. Well, first of all, I wanted to uh, welcome Renee. So um, I've been a fan of everything you're doing at, at iMore and uh, on your YouTube channel, uh, Vector. So, And I know just from following you that you have an interest in HomeKit and have covered it in the past. So appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for asking. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. No problem. So uh, I think first thing we wanted to do, uh, Richard and I had a, a show last week we recorded, and uh, we talked a little bit about the rumor mill. So we wanted to cover kind of how the rumor mill did. So the first <laughs> one uh, we did was uh, home updates with better camera support. Uh, I think the rumor mill nailed this one. Uh, wh- <laughs> what does everybody think of, uh, of what's, uh, what was announced in the keynote on uh, camera support? Was it better or just more secure? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of that. Um, the big new thing that they were talking about was the ability to have cameras record in iCloud. So a um, couple of the options here. So you get 10 days of clips that don't count against your storage limit. You get a single camera with a 200 gigabit iCloud plan and up to five cameras with a two terabyte iCloud plan. And early partners on this are going to be NetAtmo, Logitech and Eufy security. So I don't know. Pretty interesting. I think it is. I think it's an interesting lineup of vendors. Uh, Notice ring isn't in there. (laughs) Notice Arlo isn't in there. CNET reached out to NetAtmo, Logitech and Eufy and NetAtmo really gave them the best information, which is, which was information about what this was going to be compatible with and it it makes me believe that it's it's very possible that the way this is implemented it is going to be such that customers will be able to choose whether they want this to use iCloud storage or whether they're just going to use the vendor's own storage. Interesting. I got yeah. to talk to them right before CES when they made their announcement, and they were super passionate about the whole privacy angle. And what I loved is by default, it's an SD card so that nobody has it but you. And you could choose to use your personal Dropbox, not Dropbox and not their Dropbox, not any other Dropbox, your personal Dropbox. And now they're adding iCloud if you want it. But it's all like you get to choose and make your own choices and it's secure either way. And I really like their story. Right. I think that's been one of the kind of overall messages around privacy uh, here this week at WWDC is that Apple wants to give customers choice when it comes to privacy and transparency. And so I think for folks like NetAtmo, this kind of puts them on par with some of the other, the bigger folks. And I think the question that comes around for folks like Ring and Arlo is the reason we haven't seen this yet, because they got a whiff of this coming and they don't want something that competes with their business models of selling video service in the cloud. <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility, but the thing I have to wonder is, you know, Ring is making, what, 10 bucks a month off of that? It's not like they're really making a whole lot of revenue from that in particular, so I don't know. Yeah, but that 10 bucks is probably mostly profit. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, I would guess some there are going to be folks who are not going to do this because they want that money, uh, and they don't want to give that money to Apple, and... Uh, I applaud Apple. I mean, this is kind of a cool secret backdoor service revenue option opportunity for them. So 
Uh, but yeah, I think it looks cool. Uh, question for you, Richard, because I know you've said in the past that you will not put security cameras in your house. Would something like this change your attitude on it? Nope. <laughs> no, I still don't like the idea of internal cameras. The only place that I have an internal camera is in my garage because I kind of think of that as an extension of the outdoors. I'm not going to be walking around in my underwear in the garage. Yeah. Uh I don't have as big of a problem with you. How about you, Renee? Do you have cameras in your house? No, I, I'm the same way. I don't want to have... I want, there's the camera on my laptop, but I trust the T, like the T2 security chip to hard lock that. But I don't want... And especially when you've seen the stories involving like Ring and some of the, the Google stories, I, I just don't trust them. But I did like Natatmo's approach where it could be mine. It could be on an SD card. There has to be no radio signals going anywhere. And that, I think, starts to increase my custom, my comfort level. Cool. I think that's it for uh, cameras. Um, the other one we talked about was HomePod voice recognition. So got that one. Uh, what do you think of multi-user support on HomePod? Is it like Apple's trolling us? Because a, a few years ago, it was like, <laughs> we're going to get dark mode on Apple TV. We're going to get dark mode on the Mac. And now it's like, you're going to get multi-user on Apple TV. You're going to get multi-user on HomePod. I think it's great. I just wish it was pervasive. Yeah, I think John Gruber asked a question about that at the talk show of like, isn't there this other platform that would be great for multi-users? And they kind of not so subtly said, everybody should have a device. And they haven't explained how it works yet. Like, does each person have to go through the Siri training process? Or is there, does it say, I don't know who you are, and then identify you? Does it just know you're a different voice and silently onboard you? Because that, to me, if you have like a family to go through, that could be a a pretty long onboarding process. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if, like, I have small kids, like, if it'll do well at recognizing them and how that'll work. And unfortunately, you know, while we have betas and we can dig in on all the stuff like that, like last year we didn't get to beta any of the HomePod features, yeah. and I wouldn't expect that anytime soon either. So we may have to wait to the fall to play with this. It's kind of weird. I wouldn't expect, really, Apple to come out with individual user accounts on mobile devices. I just don't see that happening. But I'm surprised they haven't done something like a, a kid's lockdown mode or something like that, where you could just quickly switch your tablet or your device into the kid's safe mode as you hand it off to them you know, while you're on a trip or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, my daughter, who's two, we have an iPad for her, mainly just for when we travel. She doesn't use it regularly. I had to turn off like all the swipe gestures. I had to lock that, you know, just from like she doesn't know. And so she gets all over the place. It gets a jumbled mess. So just being able to lock down that kind of stuff easily would be really, really nice. Adam, when we talked about this, one of the things that you thought would be kind of cool is if HomePod might also be able to not just have voice recognition, but maybe define scenes differently for you versus for someone else in your household. So that if you told your home pod good night, it might behave differently than if your wife said good night to the home pod. And that's not something that we got. Do you still think that that's something that might come in the future or, or I, I have a, again, that's another thing that I have a hard time figuring out how they would implement. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have to change at the, like a HomeKit architecture level because the way the HomeKit works now, you have one home, one set of scenes, and they're shared amongst everybody you invite to your home. So 
that would need a, a bigger change there. So, you know, maybe we get multi-user support and then that'll get people thinking about what else can we do with this in the future. Sure. Okay, let's see. Next on our list was a HomeKit experience on Apple TV. Big nope. <laughs> yeah, so this gets down to our predictions that, frankly, were left over from last year. Yes. These are the ones that didn't happen after last year. And once again, we still don't have that on HomeKit, and I'm fine with that. I don't know that that's a popular type application that people would want. We still obviously have the way of using Siri, and that's good. You can use Siri through your Apple TV to control stuff in your home, but still no HomeKit app, if you will. And hey, that's an opportunity for third-party developers. Exactly. All right. Better Siri? Maybe? We'll see. <laughs> they made it synthetic, so it sounds more human. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it at least sounds more human. We'll see if it's, uh, its response rate and things like that uh, continue to get better. Well, you do have Siri intent for music now, which is good. So people, Or just for audio, so people can talk to, ask for Audible. They can ask for, if Spotify chooses to support it, they can ask for Spotify. And the cool architectural thing, because the huge problem is, how do you identify music if it's not in the Apple Music catalog? Because none of that stuff is indexed. So they're going to base it off your frequency in the app. So they can say, this is stuff you're already listening to. We're going to move that stuff over, which is a manageable set. And then you'll be able to ask for any of that from Siri. And Perfect. so hopefully, Pandora's already implemented it, but hopefully everybody will. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, the other one is third-party podcast apps. I'm yeah. looking forward to that for uh, my podcast app of choice, which is Overcast. So you're saying Marco has a busy summer. Yep. Hopefully <laughs> he gets to work. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one on our list was HomeKit HomePod tie-in. So the ability to include HomePod in scenes and other HomeKit actions. So uh, I think this is in. So I'm not clear if this is necessarily in scenes through HomeKit, but you could definitely do it in shortcuts, which I think we're going to dig into more later. Yeah, I think this is something that is available through the, the, the basic HomeKit stuff now. So however they implemented it, it's nice to see this. This feels long overdue. Yeah, this was something I wanted from the get-go since the HomePod was announced. So I'm excited to see... Um, the ability to include this stuff and, and some more robust automations. The other big one was a, a home app refresh. So, you know, we kind of wanted this to happen last year. It was kind of radio silent last year and we got a big refresh. Have you had a chance to look at it yet, Renee? I have not. It looks pretty good. They've, uh, they've done quite a bit with it. Just kind of new face on it. One of the things they've done is um, kind of group together devices that have multiple. Renee's pulling it up right now. <laughs> Take a look. Um, but yeah, Devices that have multiple services in one device are now grouped together in a single tile. They've got the card interface. Yeah, so Adam, how do you feel about that? Because that actually makes your product, the ConnectSense dual outlet, harder to operate. It's now at least two clicks to be able to turn on one of your outlets as opposed to having the individual outlets appear as tiles. Yeah, um... I'm okay with it. I think I think it makes sense from a logical perspective. But yeah, I guess it gives us a little less real estate for our dual plug. Yeah, I, I'm not excited about a lot of these updates. I just, I, I don't get what they're doing. I feel as if, particularly for favorites, maybe for the rooms, sure, have it at each individual device. 
But in favorites, I feel like you should be able to put the individual services that each device offers into your favorites and have a tile for that if you really want that. And I'm surprised that they haven't implemented that way because you can still drill down that far. And that's the other thing that's really kind of weird now. They've basically, I hope they're rewriting the HIG because they've basically violated one of their own kind of big tenets, which is don't throw modals over top of modals. The way that they've designed this in the home app for you to be able to drill down into stuff is that you bring up your accessory, you look at that, and then you see that the accessory has a bunch of different uh, functions on it. So then you drill into that, and that's a child of the modal. So we're not too bad yet, but then you you can hard press or or long press on one of those items and open that. And that's a modal card now on top of your old modal card. And it's just, we're, we're creating what I think is a really convoluted experience for users. And I think it's going to get a little bit too complicated. Well, it's beta one, so you never know. Maybe yep. it'll change throughout the, uh, throughout the summer. And as I was telling people in the, the HomeKit development Slack, use that feedback app. Yeah. You know, for anybody that's has a developer license, always use that feedback app. And it looks like they made some really serious improvements to it. Yeah. So I think they're going to be able to communicate better with people. Um, you'll actually know if your thing gets closed, why. If it's, it's a, a duplicate, yeah. yeah, if it's a duplicate, you're going to actually get tight updates on the one that was a duplicate. So I think uh, that will be a better means of feedback. And, and if people are getting better responses then they're probably going to be more likely to do it yeah and ask for the big things early yeah exactly so yeah that should be all of our <laughs> yeah. homework in the next week is to be put in all of our complaints about uh beta one and and see if they address any of them before it releases yep all right next um so i think that's as far as predictions so other things that we didn't cover yeah i mean i think just more of a doubling down on privacy and security um everything they're doing here you know they're really serious about privacy and security, and we talked about that with the with the camera stuff. And you know it's clear that HomeKit is one of the areas that you know they really care about privacy, and they're going to continue to double down on that. And one of the areas they're doing this in is in routers. <laughs> so a couple things about this: they have partners with Linksys, Eero, and Spectrum, which is a cable company. And some options for users to, we talked about the, the choice of privacy. So they, there's going to be a choice of privacy here of how accessories talk to the outside world through firewalls. So three options uh, available to the user. Um, one is just open, which is what it's like today. The other one is automatic, which this allows specific services that have been approved by Apple and the vendor. So um, this will be like, you know, a, a manufacturer like us, our backend cloud for things like talking to Amazon Alaska or Google Home and um, other services, firmware updates, things like that. And then the last option on there is uh, home only, which will only allow the devices to talk to HomeKit. So, I don't know. What does everybody think about that? I, I'm still 
it's sort of a halfway step for me because for me, the router is still the last gateway between my bits and or my packets and the Internet. And Apple's no longer selling a router. And which means I have to pick between like Google, which I don't trust, Eero, which is now bought by Amazon. Uh, and Eero is part of this, which I'm super happy about. But it's it's sort of it controls the security in my house. But I'm also worried about the security of the gateway to my house and doesn't address that yet. So I hope they they create some sort of service that protects the whole way through. But I think it's a good first step. Yeah, we were joking with some of the engineers in the HomeKit lab. And it was like, man, if only Apple would do something like this. I, mean, I have this perfect name. You could call it Airport. Yeah. So it's <laughs> kind of interesting for them to, I guess, put in a foot back in the router space, even though they're... Even Samsung makes a router. I mean, it's like Apple's the only big tech company that doesn't. Yeah. Despite the Amazon questionable i'm at least happy to see eero in here um that gives me a little hope for the ring stuff as well that that folks that are owned by amazon are still working and collaborating with with apple that's a really good point actually you know one of the things that confused me about this whole announcement when when they announced homekit enabled routers i thought oh that's a great idea your router could be your HomeKit hub, but that's not what this is at all. Nope. Yeah, no, there's no, the home hubs are still going to be the three uh, devices, iPad, uh, HomePod, and uh, Apple TV. Yeah, these routers are not going to be the home hub. They're not going to put that technology on these devices. I have to say I was a little bit surprised and disappointed by that. This seemed like a missed opportunity. But, you know, maybe they don't want the HomeKit engine to be running on third-party hardware that they can't really control. Yeah, that seems like a security risk more than a helpful thing. Ironic, that. So, yeah, the the only thing about this that I'm reserved about being a, a manufacturer of devices is this, this last option of home only. Um, I feel like, you know, folks like all of us... Uh, if we cho- chose this, we would know what comes along with it. But I feel like regular consumers may choose this and not realize the experiences they're breaking. So if they have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home in their house and they're using that with their devices and they select this home only, those integrations are going to break. So mm. I, I feel like that's a little bit of a weird experience. And I understand why. Apple did this. It's back to that choice of privacy, but those users also won't be able to update firmware on their devices. There's also this, and I think the Google outage, because if people aren't aware, Google went down on Sunday hard, took down YouTube, took down Discord, and people who had Nest, some people were... Yeah, and people who, some people who had Nest products couldn't get into their houses, and I think it shows that all these companies, even if they are server-side companies, because it could be a fire, it could be, like, the power could go out in your area, it could be an an internet hub could go down, like, local hub could go down, a, a regional hub could go down, this stuff has to be able to work locally in case of emergency. And that needs to be fixed regardless of what Apple's doing in the router space. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think we'll see where this goes. Um, You know, I, I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. The devil's going to be in the details and how it gets implemented. Um, All right. So then the the other big one uh, is a little bit of a peculiar one. So this, this thing that uh, everybody was talking about last year was known uh, known amongst all of us as 
as the marzipan, which was kind of the leak name. Uh, now we know it as Catalyst. We've got to have to get marzipan out of our brain. So one of the examples of Catalyst last year when they gave us a sneak peek of it was the home app running on Macs. So then this year they're talking about Catalyst. All right, take your apps, put them on the Mac. The HomeKit framework is not one of the supported frameworks for third-party apps on the Mac. So there's a lot of people like our friend Aaron Pierce and things like that who would love to port their apps to the Mac, and it's not an option. So we asked about it in the labs, and the answer was basically like, maybe eventually, but not this year, and not a lot of details. So uh, this is unfortunate, and I don't know, I guess one of those places where uh, Apple gets to... Uh, have the exception with their stuff, but uh, everybody well, else right. doesn't get to play. Right. So that's what I'm confused about because the home app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> their example of it, their first example. So, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't know if it comes down to things like we know the home app on Mac couldn't add devices and some of that kind of stuff. So, Maybe just uh, the permissions or privacy or security. One of those things wasn't wasn't in the right place to allow this for third parties. It's almost whenever you think it's malice, often it's just like I don't want to say incompetence, but there was this great story from Ken Kashinda where he was in charge of the iPhone keyboard and he just couldn't get copy and paste in year one. He really wanted to. And then he wanted to do it in the second year, but he got tasked with the App Store launch, and he just couldn't get it done. And finally, in year three, he could. And it wasn't anything other than he was only the one person working on that. And at Apple, you don't know if it's like there's one person tasked with, home, with, with HomeKit or with the Catalyst thing. And they're like, I, 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 this is a problem with this. I can't get it working properly. We'll suck it up, but we can't give it to the developers yet, and I'll try my best for next year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. And uh, I can tell you there's more than one person working on HomeKit because I know a number of them. Or <laughs> on a specific <laughs> Mac implementation. Right, yeah. <laughs> it, it may be that the, there was a priority list yeah. for Catalyst and they started with the most important frameworks and HomeKit was not at the top of the list because there may not be as many third-party apps. And so... Or it could also be that the priority and the amount of work that went into it factored in. Like they would have to add a bunch more things and the security model and the privacy model had to be worked out. Because you have way more access on a Mac than you have on an iOS device as well. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we dive into the automation improvements a little bit deeper? Because frankly, this is where I was most excited. I think that... They have made some huge improvements in the capabilities for automations. And largely, that's by very tightly integrating shortcuts. So shortcuts, which was previously this standalone app that you could download if you wanted, is now just going to be on your iOS device. It's going to come with iOS. And furthermore you're going to have the ability to integrate shortcuts into your automations. And this is done so tightly that automations now appears both in the home app and in the shortcuts app. So you can create things in shortcuts that can control things in your home, or you can use your home automations to also control things that are individual device or, uh, or or requiring some sort of shortcut capability. So, frankly, I think this is incredibly powerful. Yeah, and uh, I think 
it's exciting that it's now at the system level, although it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because the guys from that team were updating their app quite a bit. So now we have to wait for dot updates to get shortcuts updates. But what we got with that that is so much more important is these new like system-level access things. So some of the ones uh, you mentioned here are things like you know when you either join or leave a certain Wi-Fi network. There are Bluetooth-related things. Um, there's things around alarms. So I, uh, I shared on Twitter earlier this, this week, um, I'm really excited about when you dismiss your alarm in the morning. So I, we, we did some work with Moen on their smart shower, and I'm lucky mm-hmm. enough to have one of those in my house. So when I dismiss my alarm in the morning, I can start the shower. How awesome is that? Yeah, that is really cool. That is really cool. It might actually finally get you to uh, to see the value of the shower, Richard, that you were uh, not a fan of in the beginning. Uh, maybe, possibly, one day. We'll see. I'm still worried about modular construction. but uh, There you go. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not a small project to put one of those babies in. So Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, but, but you give some really good examples, and they the, these, these options are really robust things like when your phone goes on or off do not disturb that you could trigger certain things to happen things like well or maybe as part of your good night scene you put your phone in do not disturb mode like just all this this really cool integration between device and person and home frankly way beyond what I had thought about. And the other thing that comes with this that I don't think everybody's really thought about all that much is that you get that full logic engine that Shortcuts offers now in your home automations to do true conditional if this, then that type of stuff, as well as waiting periods and the ability to have counters and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, and they even added some more powerful stuff this week where you can like use the output of one shortcut as an input for another. And um, yeah, I generally feel like this is one of those things that we're just barely starting to grasp what is a possible through this. And throughout the summer, like it's just going to we're going to find out more and more. People's imaginations are going to be open more and more. But um, yeah, I'm certainly excited about the possibilities. Now, in all fairness, this is huge. This is big. And this is a big change to the platform. So don't be surprised if you download the beta and start playing with it to find that a lot of this stuff isn't working the way you might expect it to yet. There's still a lot of work to be done here. I'm not allowed to put the beta on my devices. That's my my senior app developer. That's one of his jobs here this week is to not allow me to put the beta. <laughs> well, like, bring a backup who? device. I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a backup. I have a backup iPad. It's got the beta on it. Okay. But any of my daily drivers are. This is the off, first off year limits. I didn't put it on my daily driver because I saw a bunch of people walking by just shaking their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, actually kind of funny because there's a warning on the beta yeah. site that says, you know, for the, I don't know, adventure. Thrill seekers. Thrill seekers, yeah. For thrill seekers, you know, basically wait for the public beta. Yeah. So I, I will probably do that for my, my daily drivers. I don't remember that message in the past. Do you guys? Never. No. Never. Never. It's the first year. But last year's was super stable because it was the 
uh, it was the big, we're going to stop and, and redo everything and do the performance release. So it was the first beta was really nailed down. This first beta looks a lot sketchier. Yeah, and they actually went so far as, so uh, there's usually two ways to put a beta on your device. There's this profile download way, which is super simple and acts more like a normal iOS update would. They didn't even put that out there, I think, probably to discourage people from um, from putting the betas on their devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Now, there were some other things in this whole shortcuts and automation area that I think are deserving of attention. One big one is music and media. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, where you can include your HomePod in automations, but it doesn't stop there. You can actually target AirPlay 2 devices with content in an automation. So for example, I could have something set up where if there's a motion sensor in my room and I walk, someone walks into that room, music could start playing on my Sonos 5. And you can specifically select which music would play, whether it's something like a playlist or a station from uh, Apple Music or something from your own Apple Music library. Really, really powerful. Yeah, this one's going to be cool. It'll be nice to have something that, you know, when I come home, then, you know, turn on the music or, um, you know, when something happens, you know, play something else or play a podcast or... (laughs) Or if you're home and someone comes into the house because you forgot to lock the door, then play that gangster movie from Home Alone so they think that it's not safe in there. (laughs) All right, I'm going to look for... I want you to make a future video, Renee. Okay. Where you make make that happen using HomeKit. And Richard and I will help you uh, with the devices. That is a classic idea. I love that. (laughs) Well, and that actually brings up an interesting point, because I think a lot of this stuff is going to be very cool if you live alone. I think it's going to get complicated (laughs) if you have multiple people in your residence. You're not going to just be able to globally say, okay, if this sensor catches motion, then play my favorite playlist, because it's not going to know. Yeah, I think there are ways, though, to look at geofencing or maybe put multiple people like, you know, am I and my significant other both on this Wi-Fi network, then you're not on this Wi-Fi network, then do X, Y, Z. So it'll be interesting to see the more complicated stuff you can do to take into significant others. Roommate won't leave after three days, start escalating volume in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's going to be really cool. The stuff that you're going to be able to do with this and We are not far. I'll I'll bet someone will come up with a hack to do it, but we are not far at all for Follow Me Audio with all of the technology that they've made available here. Yeah, I mean, you could literally, with what they have available in here, you could probably do it with, like, Bluetooth beaconing or something like that, where you could tell uh, what room somebody was in and change where the audio is. If time of flight is under. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, of course, the other option here around media was uh, the ability to control Apple TV content. So this is pretty exciting as well. Control may be a very generous (laughs) word there. I mean, it it included – I saw something on Twitter earlier today where it includes the ability to, like, open a specific app on Apple TV. 
Hmm. Okay. I'll be curious to see that. So far, the only thing that I've seen I, I, working, but again, this is all beta for me, right? Is play and pause. But I'll be curious to see if we can get more granular control like that, because that would be crazy cool. Yeah. Aaron Pierce, who we mentioned earlier, um, has the app HomeCam, which is a home a camera app. And he basically said that he thought you would be able to have a motion when a motion sensor was triggered, then open the home cam app on Apple TV. So that would be pretty cool. Hmm. That could get out of hand. But yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. So I, I think I think we've got some really cool stuff here. I can't wait to see what people do with it. I'm frankly a little bit worried about how complex this is and how buggy it is right now, because I think that suggests that this is this this has arms and legs beyond what most people really can think yeah. of. And I hope that the team behind this is prepared for how big this really is. Now, all that said, I want more. <laughs> exactly. All that said, I want IFTTT back in shortcuts because can you imagine how cool this could be if you could then use IFTTT to trigger other stuff or use as triggers for things in your home kit or shortcut environment. And IFTTT used to be one of the things that app could support. Oh, before Apple got it. If John Gruber posts a new article, turn on blue light. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, we either need that or we just need uh, we just need shortcuts to continue to get more powerful. Yeah. And then who cares about IFTTT? And, you know, we'll just do it all there. Well, and absolutely. And it's funny because after seeing the keynote, I reached out to my partner at Homeboy, Matt, who does our development. And I said, we need to get shortcuts working for iOS 13 because that will allow us to tie homeboy into homekit without having to actually support homekit right yeah definitely yeah and one thing i want to circle back on too um when we talked about the camera stuff and uh in terms of things in the future um was in terms of that video getting to the cloud they're actually using home hub devices like the home pod uh apple tv 4 and an ipad and um, the part that was just kind of mentioned really briefly is the fact that they're going to do machine learning on those devices as well. So um, I think not a lot of specifics on that yet, but I think there's certainly a potential in the future to get some of the person detection and yeah. some of the stuff like Nest is doing um, through those devices. So that's really interesting as well. Absolutely. And I think they almost came out and said that stuff like person detection mm -hmm. and any sort of detection, if particularly if you're using the secure video service, is going to be done on those devices. So it's all going to be local. That's That's really cool and really powerful. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it also allows for those end cameras to be more affordable because one of the reasons why like that Nest Hello camera is so expensive is because it has to have all the hardware to do that machine learning on the device. So now that you can offload that to one of the devices you maybe already have, that's a great option to not have to, you know, jack up the price of those cameras. Hmm. 
Yeah, interesting point. Okay, cool, cool. So anyway, I thought that the automation stuff was great. That was really my favorite takeaway from any of the HomeKit or frankly, from most of the announcements. I, I think this is the most exciting thing that I got out of this. How about you guys? Renee, what what was your big, your big, uh, ooh, cool, I can't wait to do this moment? Uh, my, you know, honestly, it was so hard to keep up with Craig this year. It was the first year I couldn't type fast enough to actually keep up with everything <laughs> that he was saying. That is going to take me a while still to digest it. But I mean, it's the greatest hits of like Swift UI and, and like you said, Catalyst. And I think it's, it's like we're, we're into the next great stage of Apple. We went through the classic era and the, the next era, and now they've sort of forged their own future. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with all this stuff. But everything you're mentioning, edge computing is like a reality now with all these devices doing all these things locally and in a way that works across all of these devices. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that I can use the new, the new AR kit stuff to make a virtual me with shortcuts that'll just host shows so I can sleep in a little bit. <laughs> and I think we're getting closer to that. <laughs> How about you, Adam? Uh, it's been an exciting year across the board. I think Apple uh, knocked it out of the park with a lot of what they're doing here. You know, I, I mean, in general, I'm excited to just see activity in the home space. Um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get a what's new in HomeKit session this there year. There were no sessions for yeah. HomeKit. No yeah. sessions for HomeKit. And... You know, with what they announced, what I would guess on that is, you know, most of the stuff they're doing that's new, there wasn't anything developer facing, there wasn't anything public facing, and most of those things they're working on, routers, cameras, stuff like that, those are things they're working closely with those companies through MFI. So there's really nothing they needed to share with the general public. So despite there being a no what's new with HomeKit, I was just very excited to see New stuff in HomeKit, uh, you know, a renewed, it got keynote time, which is always, you know, exciting for the space. But I wanted like Yo Siri vacuum. You know, I'm still waiting for all this stuff. <laughs> you better talk to uh, our I'm friends filing. at I, iRobot for that. Filing all the radars. Yeah. They need a profile for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I'm excited about the shortcut stuff, but uh, I'm kind of like Renee. I mean, it's, there's so much going on. Uh, it's hard to keep up. And I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface with what's possible. Um, so it's going to be a fun summer as people discover some of those cool things that are available. But yeah, just excited to see, you know, new stuff and, and things going on. As I start my laundry machine, start Overcast and play ATP. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Adam, I'm glad that you were able to get some recording space there and that we were able to connect while you're out there. And Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope we can get you back again sometime. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Tell people where they can find what you do. Uh, I'm at Renee Ritchie on all the social things. Um, I do a, I try, to, I try to be multimodal. So almost every day I have a podcast, <laughs> video, and column that you can find at imore.com slash vector. And then, of course, YouTube. Yeah, well, so. you, yeah YouTube.com slash Vector Show. I, I do videos there. I try to. Video is hard. <laughs> video is hard, uh, but uh, you do a great job. Oh, thank it. you so much. Very cool. And Adam, remind people where they can find you and your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice, which uh, if you look at it uh, this week, tons of stuff all about WWDC, which has been fun uh, to engage with everybody out here. Uh, you can find uh, my company and everything we do at ConnectSense.com and also ConnectSense on Twitter. 
All right. And you can find me at Richard Gunther in the social places. And I am at the digital media zone.com where I also host a number of other podcasts. So check them out if you're interested. And the Smart Home Show is part of technology.fm, where you can find other tech podcasts like Home Tech FM, The Smart Kitchen Show, and my other show, Home On. And you can find all of our stuff in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, other podcatchers of your choosing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Smart Home Show, and we'll be back again in about two weeks, settling into our more consistent schedule. Thanks for joining us. Boom.